Welcome to the Study Rooms podcast, a series of teachings from the Study Rooms class about the Bible and its effect on our daily lives. We hope it blesses you. Ready your hearts and minds for God to teach you. This is part three of our study on the gospel, a three-part series from the Study Room class series. Let's join Eva Dan Yusuf for today's class. So now, I want us to go to our next slide. We have just about 10 minutes before we round up. Is our response, okay? How do we respond to all this? How do we respond? Because Jesus did not just come to die. He came to die so that we can be reconciled back to God for a reason. There's a reason why we were with God in the first place. Before we died and we fell into sin, we were with God for a reason. God created us for a reason. He made us for a reason. Before we went, came into all this mess, there was a reason. So God has reconciled, Jesus has reconciled us back to God, right? Jesus has reconciled us back to God for a reason. Is that okay? So now we're going to say, what is our response to what Jesus has done for us right now? Let us go to Romans 5, Romans 5, 1 to 11. Romans 5, 1 to 11. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead us to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most of you will not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone may perhaps be willing to die for someone who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly save us, we will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So what I'm trying to say now is that this is our response. This is God has saved us now. So we are friends with God. And now that we are friends with God, God is going to work in us to develop our endurance, to develop, develop our strength, to develop our character, to develop our confident hope in him. So that now that we have, it's like, Having this newfound relationship with God strengthens us to embrace life. So whatever happens in life, trials, problems, temptations, the good, the bad, the ugly, we now have a new view to life. We are looking at life differently now. Life, this armor that we have called the gospel is giving us strength, is giving us endurance, is building in us character, and is building in us hope. And all these things are for a purpose. There's a reason why we are building car. Nobody just goes to the gym. Nobody just exercises for nothing. You're either building um, your muscle bodies 
or you want to be healthy or you want to be fit or you want to lose weight. You're just not like, oh my God, these weights, they look so attractive. Let me lift them. Oh, 50, oh, 100. Nobody really does that except maybe you are like a special, special, special human being, right? But me, I certainly would never ever do that. I'm even like struggling to um, convince myself to exercise in the first place. Okay, so let's read 2 Corinthians 5.11. 2 Corinthians 5.11. So because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Right? If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we believe that he also, that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. I want you to pay attention to this. Jesus Christ died for everyone, this is verse 15, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. One of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this is because we all need to accept the fact that now that we have Jesus, we have a new life. We don't live anymore like everybody else is living. We have a new life. Look at verse 15 again. Because Jesus died for everyone. So he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. When you are thinking about purpose, when you are thinking about calling, when you are thinking about what am I on earth for, when you are thinking about all this, is know that you do not live for yourself anymore. You live for God. And God places the burden of other people in your heart so that you can serve them. That is our response to salvation. If God gave his life for us, our response is to give our life back to him. Not just by saying the sinner's prayer. That's the first step. But once you've said the sinner's prayer, you know that you've given your life to Christ. You no longer live for yourself. That is the deal that we have. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for Christ because Christ died we no longer live for ourselves. And that means if I no longer live for myself, that means I have the life of Christ. I live for Christ. That means the next brother or sister who has given their lives to Christ no longer lives for themselves. They live for Christ. So I begin to see them as Christ. I don't see them as who they are with their faults and their failures. I don't see them like that anymore. I begin to see them as Christ because they now live his life. And I treat them as I would treat Christ. I will approach them as I approach Christ. I will reason with them like I will reason with Christ because we want Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. So we're going to read Romans 8 quickly. I don't think we'll read 1 to 17, but I want you to take down Romans 1 to 17 and I'll just read, um, I'll read from 
okay, we've read, we read it in the beginning. So instead of reading it again, I'll just read verse 16. It says, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentiles. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And as the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So I just want to say to you, I'm rounding up now, right? We live, we accept. So when you give your life to Christ, that's just the beginning of so many things to come. The life that we now live, you know, as we talked about in Second Corinthians, the new life that we live, that we don't no longer live for ourselves, is lived by faith. You're only going to live what you believe God for. If you believe God for the life that God wants for you, you're going to live it because the just shall live by faith. And we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we are now justified. We are the just. Anytime you read the scripture and you see the just, that is you. You're talking about you. You are now the just. But the only life that the just has is a life of faith. You are only, see, here is and here is again. You are only going to live the life that you believe God for. You are only going to live the life that you have faith for. If you just enter life headstrong every day, things may happen to you by luck. You may not be able to replicate them again. But if you live the life of faith, you are going to have what you're having faith for. That is if your faith is according to the will of God. Remember, you no longer live for yourself. You now live for, you now live another life of Christ. If the faith you are trusting God for is not according to the life that God wants you to live, you're having faith in the wrong thing and God is not going to answer that. You're only going to live the life of faith according to the will of God. Is that okay? So that's our response, right? Um, so I'm just going to um, read this through. This is some notes that I took that I want to share with you. So the power of God unto salvation to anyone that believes. So once people hear the gospel, it changes us. Once we give our lives to Christ, the gospel is not only for sinners. So remember, I said the gospel is good news. Salvation, right, was to save us from our sins. Once we're saved from our sins, we keep on hearing the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to anyone that believes. So as long as we want to believe what Jesus has done for us, even as Christians, we keep on hearing the gospel. We keep on teaching the gospel. We keep on telling ourselves the gospel because this is in the gospel lies the power of God to save us from the different things that we need saving from. So for instance, if you have self-esteem issues, your issue, you're not confident, you cannot embrace life like God wants you to. What do you think is going to save you? What do you think has the power to save you? It's the gospel. It's the gospel that has the power to save you because you believe. See, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to anyone that believes. If you believe, the gospel is the power of God to save you. Okay? The instrument through which the power of salvation makes contact with our heart is the gospel. So when we hear the news of the gospel, it saves us. It's, as we come in contact with the gospel, whether it is being preached, it's being taught, also it is the instrument to which the power of salvation makes its way into our hearts. Number three, I love this point very much. There is only one gospel. Repeat after me, there is only one gospel. Say, say after me, there is only one gospel. So many times right now, so many people have come with different variations of what the gospel is. They are teaching things that are not true. So some people will say the gospel and Jesus 
Christ came to die for you so that you will you will this or that. They've all named it some so many things. They've named it either prosperity gospel, they've named it this, they've named it that. There is only one gospel, and that gospel is that we sinned and we deserve death, and we were going to die and we will not have eternal life. Okay. And God came in bodily form to pay the price for our sins so we will not die. And God died and he gave us his, his, um, the salvation, the price for our sins. And when we believe it in our hearts and we confess it in our mouth that Jesus is Lord and Christ raised him from the dead, we are saved. So in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we were given our life back. We're saved from sin, reconciled to God, and we are alive in God. That is the gospel. That, that's it. There's, no, there's nothing else again. Having this gospel, does that mean that there are things in our lives that will change because we have it? Yes. Does that mean that we are now bold? Like I said, like we read earlier, we in Ephesians 2, it says that um, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to good works. That means the gospel will help us to do good works, will help us to live the life that God wants us to live. There are promises of God that we cannot access because our relationship with God is restored. There are things that God wants to do for us that he can now do because our relationship with him is restored. But does that mean that um, all these other, that there's another gospel? No, there is no other gospel. There is just one gospel. Say with me, there is only one gospel. There's only one gospel, okay? Number four, the gospel speaks to the essence of salvation to save us from sin and reconcile us back to God, like I mentioned, you know, earlier. And then number five, yes, there are benefits and promises to us now as creation and children of God. However, the emphasis of the gospel is the work of salvation through Jesus, through Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So one of the things that I want to emphasize is that the gospel, right, Jesus Christ died for us because God's love could not allow all of us to die. God loved us so much. In John 3, 16, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It is love. Our salvation is born out of love. It's not born out of any other thing. So if you came to Christ out of fear, your salvation is not complete. You've not really experienced the fullness of the salvation of God. For instance, a lot of people have been um, using fear and terror to make people give their lives to Christ. That's wrong. That's not, the, that's not the full gospel. Jesus did not terrorize us when he went to die on the cross. Do you understand? He did not guilt trip us. That was not the intention of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicted us of our sin. What that means is that he allowed us to know that we had sinned and we needed a savior. So a lot of times um, we try to guilt trip people. What happens is when you use fear as a tactic to get people to get born again, when they have no more reason to fear, they are not going to be saved. They are not going to follow the dictates of salvation. They will not hold on to the truth and the beauty of this incredible work. Do you know that Jesus, the Bible records that Jesus, the Bible records that when Jesus was about to go to the cross, his tears were like drops of blood. Have you ever seen somebody in such agony crying so much that your tears are like drops of blood that was the price that was paid for you and that price was out of love like god loved you so much he had to go through that just so that you don't have to go through that 
that's such a beautiful story that you don't need to cajole people and say, okay, if you don't give your life to Christ now, you're going to hell, you're going to burn. What if the person stops believing about hell? What if the person no longer fears hell anymore? What happens to their salvation then? Salvation must always be about Jesus Christ. It must always be about what he did and nothing more. It is about Jesus. Is hell real? Yes. Can you tell people about hell? Yes, you can. Can you also tell people about heaven? Yes, you can. But is that the emphasis of the gospel? No. The emphasis of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, we sinned and we deserve death. And Jesus Christ came and paid that price for us so that we can be reconciled back to God and we can be saved from our sin. We hope this class has been a blessing to you. There's so much more we have on this channel and we know it'll bless you. New podcasts will be up every week. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when new podcasts are uploaded. Thank you for joining the study room.